Welcome to Catching Curveballs. Join Dr. Muji, a psychology professor at the University in Ohio, and her daughter, Iyabode, a research scientist in California, on a journey of how to make the most of what life throws your way. We hope to make today's podcast as informative and lighthearted as possible. So sit back and join us on this adventure. Before we get started, if you have your own comments or questions, remember to send them to catchingcurveballs at gmail.com or DM us at Catching Curveballs Podcast on Instagram. And if you like what you hear, remember to rate, review, and tell your friends, family, and coworkers to listen. And we're back. All right, mom, how's life? Hello, my daughter. Life is going smoothly. One has to make it go smoothly. And with help from God, it will go smoothly. Recently, I was rereading a children's book titled The Value of Believing in Yourself, the story of Louis Pasteur. Yes, listeners, I love to read children's books. And in fact, I am surprised that I myself have not written at least one children's book. To do so is one of my dreams. In this book, the author describes how Louis Pasteur, the French chemist, did more than any other person of his time for medical progress. He tells us about how this scientist believed so much in himself as he tried to find a cure for rabies, and how people, including his fellow scientists, made fun of him and his efforts to get rid of a disease that initially seemed incurable. The lesson of the book is that there is value in believing in yourself, a lesson for us all, including adults. I love that lesson and need to borrow that book. To be fair, I also have to admit that I really enjoy children's books too. Whenever I read one with a child, I feel as if I get far too into it to the point where they might wander off and I'll still be ooing and aahing at the artwork or the moving messages delivered in simple text. If we're sharing children's books we love, one of my favorites is called I Am Human, A Book of Empathy. One of my favorite parts of this book is actually printed on the book jacket, if you're reading the hardcover, that is. It says, quote, being human means we are full of possibility. We learn, we dream, we wonder at the world around us, but we also make mistakes and can feel fearful or sad, end of quote. Skipping through some text, then it says, I Am Human affirms that we can make good choices by acting with compassion and having empathy for others and ourselves. When we find common ground, we can feel connected to the great world around us and mindfully strive to be our best selves. Listeners, if you're having a rough day, I recommend flipping through it for a quick pick-me-up. And actually, I think I've just unintentionally transitioned us to today's topic. Let's discuss an emotion that can leave us really in desperate need for those pick-me-ups. Does anyone enjoy fill-in-the-blank games? Well, if you do, get ready. It's the missing word or blank from these common phrases. I'm so blank I could scream. A blank mob gathered outside. They have blank issues. Let me see if I can do one more. They couldn't contain their blank. Hopefully that fill-in-the-blank exercise wasn't so difficult, considering it's the title of today's episode. Mom, can you kick things off by defining anger for us? Anger is a basic and powerful human emotion. 
According to the Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary, this emotion is, quote, a strong feeling of displeasure and usually of antagonism, end of quote. Another definition is that anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. Anger is tied to basic survival. Most people often use it as an example of a negative emotion, but anger is far more complex than that. Many psychologists associate the expression of anger with an urge to injure some target. Others have also suggested that people have used anger effortlessly or usually to undermine relationships, and it can have adverse effects on our bodies after a long time. For instance, continued release of stress hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol that go along with anger may destroy parts of our brains that are related to judgment and short-term memory or the temporary storage of information in the memory. Such hormones can also compromise our immune systems. I don't remember hearing anger in any of my immunology classes. I'm only teasing, although it actually really wasn't ever brought up in any lecture for me. But I do know there's actually quite a bit of research about the interplay between our immune system and particular emotional responses, one of those being anger. Going back to the definitions of anger, it's funny because I genuinely don't know how to describe this emotion. It's one I just know everyone else knows. It's when you feel angry. Of course, that's not actually defining it, so it helps to hear Merriam-Webster's version of it being that strong feeling of displeasure. Whether it's irritation or rage, there's this noticeable emotional discomfort. If we're sticking to the earlier children's books topics, I'm not sure if other listeners have run into this visual too, but it's this diagram showing the feelings volcano. If you think of our emotions as a volcano, at the base, we're happy and calm, Next, as things escalate, we're unhappy. Then they escalate further and we're getting mad. Then if it continues, we become frustrated and really angry. If the situation isn't addressed, we then explode. We erupt like a volcano. I mean, I don't really think this is how volcanoes work, but it's a cute visualization. And I believe the message is if we don't do something while the anger starts brewing, it easily spirals into something that can spin out of control. If we follow this line of thinking, there really is a range in how angry we can feel. What types or categories of anger exist, Mom? There are different categorizations of anger. One grouping of anger separates them into assertive anger, aggressive anger, passive-aggressive anger, and suppressive anger. Assertive anger is the ability to resolve conflict in a way that is productive and respectful to everyone concerned. It means that you are talking about the situation that has caused disharmony without intentionally hurting other people's feelings. Examples are the use of hand gestures, direct eye contact when talking and listening, and maintaining a relaxed posture. Next, we have aggressive anger. With this type of anger, we direct it at another person and it hurts this person emotionally, physically, or psychologically. Examples of aggressive anger would be yelling, being verbally abusive, or using put-downs and hitting another person. 
Passive aggressive anger is the indirect expression of anger by someone who is uncomfortable or unable to express their anger or hurt feelings honestly and openly. Think of passive aggressive behaviors, but in this case, the anger you feel elicits passive aggressive behaviors that you're not able to show deliberately. Examples of passive aggressive anger are sulking or repeatedly claiming that you are not mad or that you are fine, even when you are apparently furious and not okay. Suppressive anger, unlike these other types of anger, is the conscious act of holding one's anger on the inside without any outlet. An example is someone who is disappointed and annoyed about a situation but refuses to speak up and instead tells themselves that there is no problem. You can also look at anger from the perspective of what triggers it. For example, psychologists have contrasted empathetic anger with personal anger. Empathetic anger is in response to another person's suffering out of concern for this other person's well-being. Whereas personal anger is in response to having a barrier to your individual goals or interests. When I was much younger, passive aggressive anger was definitely my go-to. I'm not even sure when my relationship with anger evolved to what it is now, but as an adolescent, I think my pouting and sulking was at peak display. What's funny though is I didn't necessarily notice that I'd do so because you mom never called me out on it. Neither you nor dad or anyone really pointed out that I was processing any feelings of anger this way. It wasn't until I started dating and in my earlier relationship days, I just continued to do more of the same until someone actually called me out on it and commented that he knew things weren't okay even though I'd insist all was fine. Apparently, my facial expressions betray far too much. I'd say over time, assertive anger tends to be how I express my anger, or at least it's the goal. As someone who's slow to anger, it takes so much to get me there, and even so, it's often fleeting and not long-lasting. But before any sort of mindfulness awareness, I definitely was far too familiar with passive-aggressive anger. I know I've described myself as slow to anger, and I'm pretty certain everyone I know would co-sign that. But why are we all so different when it comes to how quickly we can become angry? Why would some people be best described as quick-tempered? I would say you are like me, my daughter. I do not get angry quickly. When I do, it is because I feel a person or people have pushed me to the wall and my only recourse is to express my anger. Anyway, back to your questions. Anger may be elicited in people for many reasons. This can include the loss of patience or feelings that your view or hard work is not valued. Feelings that my view or hard work is not valued is actually a reason why I sometimes get angry, but I typically self-soothe that if others don't appreciate the effort I'm putting into something that God or the universe does. Other reasons why some people may get angry are due to feelings of injustice or discrimination, unfairness, recollections of distressing incidents, and worrying about personal problems. Certain mental health conditions can cause aggressive, angry, or violent behavior. These include oppositional defiant disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, 
bipolar disorder, and paranoid and narcissistic personality. Being quick-tempered can also be a sign of an underlying condition like depression or intermittent explosive disorder, IED. A person with the latter disorder will engage in impulsive and aggressive behavior. I believe it is important for each and all of us to honestly assess our specific pattern of displaying anger. If you feel that anger has become overpowering or leads you to hurt yourself or those around you, please seek professional help. If the feelings of being short-tempered, however, are not the norm for you, anger can simply be a sign of multiple triggers or causes of frustration within a short period of time or dealing with many personal problems at the same time. What you've just said reminds me of another exercise that I think is pretty popular. It's a balloon exercise and definitely not my original idea, although I've not heard it framed this way, so I guess I'm taking a lot of liberty with how I'm going to modify it. The idea is that if you think of a balloon, our feelings of anger is the air being blown into the balloon. It's how this balloon inflates. Everyone's rate of inflation differs. For some people, all it takes is one or two triggers and their balloon is fully inflated and on the verge of popping. For others, this rate is much slower and it takes countless more sources of frustration for their balloon to be fully blown. So it can be that you have a baseline condition, making it so that each breath you blow is extremely powerful. In this case, one not-so-great event takes place and your balloon is at max volume. It's on the verge of exploding. But sometimes, it's not necessarily that you have a diagnosis that needs to be made. It might not be the pattern for you. It might be that typically, your balloon takes multiple events to inflate, but then at some point in life, all of these triggers overlap and instead of the slow and steady inflation, it's rapid speed. What we do as our balloon inflates truly matters, though. Think of it this way. If you continue to let the balloon inflate, what then? Are we willing to risk the pop? or the crazy flying all over the place once we finally let the air out? In this analogy, that's a dangerous risk to take, both for you and those around you. With this in mind, Mom, how do we control our anger? In general, just because someone releases anger does not mean anger dissolves. Like all emotions, we must monitor anger through self-awareness, otherwise it can lead to us harming ourselves or it could turn into hostile, aggressive, or even violent behavior toward others. To stop being angry over mundane or ordinary things, just stop. Try to stop yourself. Consciously focus on breathing. Breathe in and out slowly. Imagine something that does not make you apprehensive or nervous. Use prompts or reminders to be mindful. Get support from a trusted person. We can also control anger before it controls us by using some recommendations I came across on the APA website. One of them is to use relaxation methods like deep breathing and relaxing imagery. Another method is to use cognitive restructuring. These are techniques which can help you notice and change your negative thinking patterns. When you are angry, you are more likely to curse, swear, and use negative words that are reflective of your inner irrational thoughts. Try to replace such thoughts with more rational ones. Next, 
you can try to problem solve. To do so, focus on the problem and brainstorm possible solutions. Related to this, engage in better or more effective communication. That is, when talking to the other person, listen actively and attempt to understand the person's points. Another strategy is to use humor. Using appropriate humor can help with anger or temper tantrums. It can help you get a better perspective about the other person or the situation. Finally, change your environment. Sometimes this is the best or most appropriate cause of action. Leave the situation that is triggering your irritability or frustration. For those interested in supplementing these strategies or for those who find these strategies unsuccessful, there are support groups for managing anger. In individual settings or in groups, as I have shared, cognitive restructuring or therapeutic techniques that help people notice and change their negative thinking patterns have been shown to be helpful. Such techniques can also teach people to rethink unhealthy, provocative thoughts. Those are all so helpful and more than anything, relatively easy for all of us to do. We don't have to be experts at using all of those techniques. We just have to find those that work for us. When it comes to controlling anger, I automatically look to the Mayo Clinic. In fact, I feel as if I look to them to solve all of the world's problems. They provide 10 tips to help tame your temper. Mom, you've already mentioned quite a few of them, but even so, I think they're important enough to repeat. First, they recommend we think before we speak. Sounds easy enough, but as they phrase it, in the heat of the moment, it's easy to say something you'll later regret. Why not spare yourself that regret and take the time to collect your thoughts before saying anything? And while we're at it, we should also allow others to do the same. Next is to express your anger. Once you're calm, express your frustration clearly and directly without malice or an attempt to hurt the other person or control them. I'm adding this on from experience. Your goal isn't to win or convince the other person your anger is valid. Your body is reacting as it deems fit, which is perfectly fine, but you then have a decision when it comes to how you let out that reaction and those feelings. It should be your mission to do so in a productive and healthy way. Another approach is to get some exercise. If you're starting to feel your anger escalating, think back to the balloon that's filling up. Get up and moving. Even if it's just a short walk or pacing around an area that's easy for you to access, do so. Next up, go old school and take a time out. Make it a priority to take short breaks, especially during those times of the day that tend to be stressful. Get to know yourself and what or when during the day you're likely to feel stressed or frustrated. Intentionally find a way to take a break or grab a few minutes of quiet time. Sometimes it helps to even take that time out immediately before you're about to encounter that source of stress or anger. Mayo Clinic then also recommends identifying possible solutions. Instead of focusing on what made you angry, focus on what you can do to problem solve. Emphasis on focusing on what you can actually do. Don't fixate on what the other person needs to do or other factors outside of your control. Focus on what you can actively do now or even in the future. Next, stick with I statements. 
During the times we're angry, a natural tendency can be to place blame or criticize. But the truth is these won't get us very far or leave us feeling better. Rather, shift to saying, for example, I'm upset because of X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z being your source of anger. Avoid pointing fingers and saying, you did X, Y, and Z, or you always do X, Y, and Z. Another one tends to be tougher for most people, and that's to not hold a grudge. Forgiveness paves the way for more positive feelings to thrive. This is in contrast to holding on to your anger and bitterness or resentment. Holding on to those feelings are toxic and leave very little room for many other positive emotions and experiences to flourish. If I've not maxed out on analogies for today, I'll add that we can visualize this as a garden. Anger and bitterness are represented by weeds, while more positive emotions are the beautiful sunflowers and whatever your dream plants might be. There are only so many nutrients to support your garden, and those weeds will sap those nutrients and take up so much space that your other flowers or vegetables won't stand a chance. All right, back to the Mayo Clinic. Next is to use humor to release tension. This is a personal favorite, and I strongly recommend it. Be mindful of the type of humor you employ, though, because this isn't the time for sarcasm. But truly, using humor can help diffuse tension and set the stage for you to express your anger in a productive way. Next is to practice relaxation skills, whether that's deep breathing, repeating a calming word or phrase such as take it easy, or listening to music. Finally, we have one of the most important recommendations of all. Know when to seek help. It can be a challenge for every single person to control their anger at times. No one is perfect, but once again, as my mom shared earlier, if you find your anger to be out of your control or resulting in you doing things that hurt you or those around you, reach out for professional help. Okay, mom, back to you. After everything we've said about anger so far, can there actually be an upside to it? Some people have argued that anger makes human beings fight by motivating individuals and societies to address unfairness or protect the vulnerable, for instance, which results in change of laws or put into effect new standards of behaving. Some researchers hypothesize that anger is most likely the most underappreciated moral emotion and that functionally, when anger is not a long-lasting trait, it is more moral than immoral. They therefore focus on the social function of anger relative to its influence on goal-directed behaviors. From this perspective, they consider rectifying injustice, for instance, as both a function and a consequence of anger. Psychologists refer to this kind of anger as moral anger. Moral anger implies fundamentally positive intentions. According to Dr. Laura Schenk, other benefits to anger exist. One is that angry people are more optimistic. She cited a study done following the 9-11 attacks in the U.S., which found that people who reported experiencing anger tended to expect fewer attacks in the future than those who did not experience anger. Anger can help relationships. She cited a study that showed that when you express your emotions openly, your partner has a chance to attend to and take positive steps towards fixing the problem or situation. Anger can also provide self-insight. 
For this, she cited a study that showed that about a third of people noticed that their experiences of anger provided useful insight into their own faults or shortcomings. She also explains that anger can be used as a negotiation strategy. We've spent so much time focusing on managing our own anger. But what about those times when we're around someone who is absolutely furious? What approaches can we take to help calm that person down who's displaying extreme anger, or I suppose even moderate levels of anger? I know there are some settings where special tailored approaches are needed. This is more for the run-of-the-mill situation, maybe when we're around a relative, friend, or coworker. A fundamental step in interacting with an angry person is to remember that all of us feel this emotion at some point. So acknowledge that other person's feelings rather than ignoring them. Be open to listening to what the person has to say. Keep your voice as calm as possible when the person is distressed. Try to talk things through with the person and do so in a non-confrontational way. Although it is important to recognize the person's distress, you do not have to feel compelled to take the same position as this person. Do not force your recommendations or views on the person. Determine whether all the person needs is for you to lend an ear or if the person wants more. Give the person space if that is what the person really needs. All right, mom, we're ready for your quote for today. My quote is from the Gecko and Fly website. When you can't control what's happening, challenge yourself to control the way you respond to what's happening. That's where your power is. End of quote. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for spending time with us. Yes, we want to hear from you. Give us feedback on what you heard today and suggestions for topics you would like us to discuss in future episodes. You can email us at catchingcurveballs at gmail.com. That's catchingcurveballs, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, remember to follow us on Instagram for much more content at Catching Curveballs Podcast. That's Catching Curveballs Podcast. And as always, remember to rate, review, and tell everyone you know about the podcast. We cannot wait to connect with you soon.